0: Last week, remember, we looked at that beautiful story, the encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well, and what we saw is that we're all that woman at the well. We're all that woman. We all have a tendency to fall into a repeated pattern of sin, to relapse, and we saw that there there were reasons why that woman returned to the well each day, and that there are good reasons why you and I do the things that we do. And that Jesus wants to get to the bottom of things, to shine his light, to expose it, so as to heal us at our roots, to apply his nuptial love, because it's his nuptial love that heals, that restores, that can break that pattern of repeated sin. And we want to keep that in the back of our minds as we journey these next number of weeks through Lent, and even as we hear this other beautiful story from the Gospel of John, because it's another encounter. And in this encounter, we see that Jesus goes to work we see that he still works and for us to cough it down so first Jesus goes to work this encounter with Jesus is not just with a blind man but the text in John the the evangelist makes it a clear makes it um, he's forthright in saying that the man was blind from birth and the, all the church fathers interpreted this as being his blindness from birth being for all of us, that we're all born into sin. We're all have a, a born with original sin. So if you stick with the track that we've been on with talking about spiritual detox, we would say that we've all been born with toxins. Toxins when we were born. And these toxins are deadly. And there's no way for us to get these toxins out of us, but they just, they just lead to death. And this situation and this man is presented to Jesus and the disciples and you see the disciples right away is like, well, who messed up? It was either either his parents sinned or he sinned. And Jesus says, no. He said it was neither he nor his parents sinned, but it is so that the works of God might be made visible. The works of God might be made visible. And then he proceeds, as soon as he says that, In verse 6, he bends down, he takes dirt from the ground, he spits on it. So with the dirt and saliva, he makes this like mud paste and he applies it to the man's eyes. It's like, why not just say, be healed, regain your sight? Why do this work? Why literally make mud and smear it on his eyes? And what the evangelists and Jesus wants to point us back to, they want, we're, to, we're to think right away, and certainly those that saw this happening, the Pharisees and scribes, to think back to Genesis. To go back to Genesis chapter 2, and all the way at the beginning, as God created there in creation, he creates Adam from what? The elements of the earth in the creation account. And as he, as he creates, as he's in this movement of a creation, what he's doing right now in this man with making the mud and pl- placing it on his eyes, it's screaming out a recreation is taking place. This man, just like Adam was created, this man now is being recreated. And it's Jesus' work is doing it. And right after this, he says... Go wash in the pool of Siloam, and so all, for us should be you know blaring in our heads. We should be thinking baptism at this point. He goes. Jesus tells him to go wash now in the pool of Siloam, and what what what's our theology of baptism? Is when we're baptized, we're made new, a new creation. Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter five, he says those that have been baptized. A new creation. The old has passed away and we become new. We put on a new self, Paul talks about other places. And so he comes out of the the man comes out of the water and he can see. And then there's this beautiful exchange, which again brings out the fact that this this man is new. In verse 8, it says his neighbors and those who used to see him said, Is this the one who used to sit and beg? Or does it just look like him? They ask. He's a different person now. He even looks different. Those that grew up with him, his neighbors, he comes back from the pool and he, he, he's almost unrecognizable to them. The man's been made a, a new man. A new creation has taken place in this guy by the works of God. Jesus was sent. The name Jesus means savior. Savior. He was sent to do work. Where did his work take place it, it, on the cross? And his work still takes place, which brings us to the second point. Jesus is still at work. You have the mud, the spittle, he's doing work, the, he, 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 the, the mud, the spit, healing the man. Jesus used, he uses matter. He uses stuff to recreate this guy. He uses stuff to point to the fact and how he's going to work after he dies after he rises from the dead after he sits at the right hand of the father he points to the sacraments and what are the sacraments the sacraments are works of god they are not something that we do for god the sacraments are works of god sometimes we think like like even me coming to mass and coming to receive the Eucharist, like it's a, it's a work that I'm doing or, or, you know, it's sometimes the criticism that, that Protestants have of Catholics. You guys, you guys have this silly sacraments thing that think that you do things to, to earn your salvation. That's not the Catholic understanding of sacraments. Sacraments are something that God does to us. Sacraments, by definition, is, it, its definition is a, it's a divine act done to me by God. And so the Eucharist is something that God does for me. Going to confession is something God does for me. Baptism is a work of God. There's a a paragraph in the Catechism that spells this out. I think it's really important to help our our understanding of this and be deeply rooted in the work of God and what he he wants to do for us. It's it's Catechism paragraph says this. Sacraments are powers that come forth from the body of Christ which is ever-living and still life-giving, the body of Christ who was here, who walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, is ever-living, is still ever-life-giving. The sacraments, it says, are, are the actions of the Holy Spirit at work in his body, the church. And it says, they are the master works of God in the new and everlasting covenant. The next paragraph says, the sacraments are efficacious. Isn't that just what we isn't that what we hope for? The fact that when we come up and receive the Eucharist, it's like, is this just something that I'm doing that I don't like, does it really do anything? The sacraments are efficacious because in them Christ Himself is at work. It is He who baptizes. We would say, it is he who hears our sins and forgives our sins. It is he who is present in the Eucharist. Why? It is he who acts in the sacraments, it says, in order to communicate the grace in each of the sacraments in which it signifies. That is to say, in order to give his grace, it's in order to give his power, it's in order to save it's how he recreates us. I think the Lord is just, the Lord saying to us this morning, saying to you, saying to me, I want to work for you. Whatever you're coming in here with, whatever you have on you that's weighing upon you, that you need help with, the Lord just says, don't you understand how I want to work for you today? It's why I came It's why I'm still here in the church. It's my primary mode of extending my power and my grace and my help is through the sacraments. I wanna work for you. Am I allowing God to work for me? Am I allowing him to work for for me in in the sacraments? The sacraments have transformative power to recreate. To drastically God wants to drastically change us more in the way that he changed and created and, and recreated a blind man who had never been be able to see since his birth, which brings me lastly to hear cough it down we 've been talking this lent in terms of a spiritual re- or a spiritual detox kind of to receive a reboot to the system uh, a restart and i 've You know, we we looked at the first week of Lent about the crazy shakes that people drink sometimes that just taste nasty, but they do it because it's part of the detox to get out those toxins. And sometimes they taste so nasty, they have to hold their nose and just cough it down. No matter how bad it tastes and how bad they don't want to do it, they just cough it down. If we're doing this spiritual detox, if we're attempting to do it and have not yet gone to confession or don't have planned to go, it's really hard to imagine that we're taking the spiritual detox seriously. Because when, just like the body, when the body takes on harmful toxins, it makes us sick. And some toxins can be so poisonous that it can, it can lead to death. And if, and if the body takes on that deadly poison, we become seriously ill and we, just, we can just slow down. Our body begins to grow weak and it, we slow down. And we cannot fully get healthy until the harmful toxins are removed, the poisons removed. We can receive the nourishment, we can cough down the shake all we want, but unless those toxins are removed, we can't get fully healthy. This sin works the same way. Sin is like a poison, and it makes us sick. It slows us down. Eventually, it happens a lot of times, where we don't even notice it. It affects our our relationships. It just has has a tendency to slow us down. It prohibits progress in the spiritual life, and it can eventually lead to death. And just like receiving, like we can come and receive the Eucharist and receive that, like positive nourishment. But even the way the church talks about it and says, we're not even to receive the Eucharist, that type of nourishment if we have the dead, if we have deadly poisonous toxins within us. Paul says in Corinthians, the church says that we actually we can commit a sacrilege if we receive the Eucharist, if we have deadly sin inside of us. That means that we profane something that is sacred and holy. So we need, to, we need to remove that before receiving the Eucharist to be nourished all the more. And so maybe in closing, it, this is maybe especially to those who, had, who have been away from the sacrament of confession for some time. And to, and to be real, that's, that's the majority of us in here. And for whatever reason we've been away, we don't like to go whatever whatever reason it is, cough it down. Like, just hold your nose if you have to and cough it down. Like, nobody likes to go to confession. Like, some people do, but majority of people, (laughs) majority of people do not like to go to confession. Even Deacon Tim in the sacristy, like before Mass, we we're just talking about sometimes you just like, you can get a pit in, the, in your stomach sometimes. You just have to hold your nose maybe and cough it down. We'll be hearing confessions on Wednesday night for hours. We'll begin at 6 o'clock and go till 9 o'clock or until all are heard. We'll have multiple priests here. If it's been a long time, you don't even know how to do it or where to start, come to me. We'll walk through it. Or if you're saying, well, Father Mark, I don't want to go to you. You know, go, go to the other priest that will be here. Go to a different church. Don't, but don't come without examining your conscience. We have an examination of conscience on the website. We also have intellectual reasons on why it is the sacrament, of, why we do the sacrament of reconciliation. The Lord wants to work for you and me. He wants to go to work. Am I allowing him to work? Am I allowing him to recreate me in the power of the sacraments, go to confession, even if you have to hold your nose and cough it down?